Well, the series we're starting is called When God When. And it goes to that whole issue of how things just take so long sometimes to happen when it comes to God's promises and God's purpose in our life. And what I'm speaking to specifically this morning at the beginning of the series is understanding God's timing for your life. Understanding God's timing for your life. And we're going to be based around a story out of Abraham and Sarah's life. And you can read that in the book of Genesis. It's a great story. And it's a story of God giving extraordinary promises, but it takes a long time for those promises to come to pass. And we're going to pick up a reading out of Genesis 15 and verse 1. And it says this, And after these things, I love that phrase, after these things, And I want you to think for a moment, what are the things that are going on in your life? After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. And we've got to ask ourselves the question, what are some of the things that have been going on in Abraham's life? Well, 10 years earlier, he had left Ur of the Chaldees, started moving towards the promised land, responding by faith to God's promise. God had promised him a son and he was on the way in this journey. The second thing, he had just rescued Lot from the equivalent of a superpower, a coalition of kings that had swept through that region, capturing people. And with 318 trained men, Abram had done something extraordinary with God's help, delivering Lot, sending these kings back. And perhaps he's sitting in his tent wondering if they're going to come back, whether he's still safe. Hence God's promise, I'm your shield, I'll protect you. And he is now really kind of ticked off with God, if I can put it that way. Because God says, I'm with you, I'll protect you, I'll reward you. And listen to what Abram says, because this is the overflow of his heart. Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are your blessings when I don't even have a son? He's saying, God, I know you're looking after me. I know you're protecting me. I don't really care about the reward. What about the promise? It was 10 years ago and nothing's happened. I've done my part. Sarah's done her part, but nothing's happening. And literally he's saying, when God, when will this happen? And I know you can empathize with that. I know there are things in your heart, in your life right now where you're going, when God, when? You promised me this, I believe for this, when's it gonna happen? And what Abraham is in the middle of that is helpful to us is understanding that God gives promises. Then there's a process And then comes the provision or the blessing. See, God gives us incredible promises, leads us through challenging processes, and then brings us into an abundant provision. I want to just say that again. God gives us incredible promises, leads us through challenging processes or circumstances, and brings us to abundant provision. And the time between the promise and the provision, the process equals time. Process takes time as God prepares you, equips you for the blessing, stretches you, makes you ready for what He's about to do. 
And if we dismiss the process, give up on the process, we lose the promise. And so let's talk a little bit about this thing called time. And I'm going to give you a a kind of quick theology of time. It's not exhaustive, but just a few key thoughts. Einstein defined time as the fourth dimension. God, however, adds another dimension, His time. So there's time, and then there's another dimension that God lives out of. It's His time, God's time for things. And it's not controlled by latitude, longitude, altitude. And God's time is unhindered by clocks and calendars. And it's frustrating for us. God, I know you inhabit eternity, but I've only got so much time. See, God lives in a totally different dimension, this fifth dimension. Isaiah declares this in Isaiah 57 and verse 15. He says, God is the one who is high and lifted up and catch this, who inhabits eternity. Our minds cannot even fathom eternity. This thing that just always was and always will be and just goes on forever. Our minds need beginning and end. We want to measure things. And God says, I don't live there. I inhabit eternity and whose name is holy. So let me give you just five quick things about time and this theology of time. Number one, God is timeless. He's not bound by time. Your time, no matter how demanding you may be or anybody else's time. Proverbs, not sorry, Proverbs, uh, Psalm 19 verse 2 says, Before the mountains were brought forth. To us, mountains are the most permanent thing. We think of Everest, this immovable thing, even though we know it's not totally immovable. Before the mountains were brought forth, Ever you form the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. I love that. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You see, we can't even comprehend eternity. And the psalmist is trying to capture this. And he says, from eternity to eternity, you are God. And it's just like this thing. God is timeless. He's not bound by time or our demands within time. The second thing is clearly God created time. Genesis begins this way. In the beginning, God created. And before God created matter or space, He created time. It's intrinsically in that statement. Eternity has no beginning. It has no end. But God creates time. And so there's a beginning for us in the beginning. There's the creation of time. It marks the very first moment of time. The third thing is that God created time for one primary purpose. He does a whole lot of things with this thing that He's created, this thing called time. But it's for one primary purpose. And it's so that He might have a relationship with us. So that He might have a relationship with you. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus... You can reach out right now where you are. And at the end of the service, I'm going to lead you in a prayer that will help you establish a relationship with Jesus, the eternal God. But Galatians 4 and verse 4 to 5 says, But when the fullness of time had come, 
God sent forth His Son to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons, as daughters. I want you to catch this. This statement says, this is the primary purpose why God created time. Because in the fullness of time, that word fullness means when everything was in place, Jesus came. And He came for the sole purpose that we might become God's children, be born again, have a relationship with Him. Time and eternity collided when Jesus was born, when God became flesh and stepped onto this planet. Emmanuel, God with us. And history would never be the same again. The fourth thing is that God commands time. And he can shift it. There's stories in the Bible, I'm not going to go into now, where he turns back the clock a certain number of hours in order to confirm a promise to somebody. Then he lives outside of time, but he works within time in order to work in our lives. His time, as it were, is that fourth, that fifth dimension. And the psalmist just comes to this point in Psalm 31, and he says, I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. My times are in your hand. And I think one of the problems is when we're wrestling with God's promise and the process is we want to take our times back into our own hands. Say, God, I can fix this. I can make this happen. And the psalmist goes, no, I don't want to do that. God, I'm going to let my time, my times be in your hands. And the first thing is what time allows is for us to respond to God and to understand God's process, to understand the seasons that God takes our life through. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 and then verse 11 says this, for, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He's put eternity into man's heart. I want you to catch this. There's a season for everything. God is a God of seasons. He established it in nature, in creation. But it's also part of our lives. And it's, that's, those seasons are part of the process where God moves us from promise to provision, from promise to blessing. But the seasons we go through, are where God grows us and stretches us. And we don't like all of the seasons of our lives. But He makes everything beautiful, not in our time. He makes everything beautiful in His time. And with that, there's a touch of eternity that comes into our hearts and into our lives. And so some really practical things here about understanding God's time, understanding the process because as we know in life, timing is everything. You can have everything in place and miss the timing and you miss the moment. And it's the same with God. Now, I don't want to project that as some kind of tightrope. God is generous and gracious with us. There's, there's some wiggle room here because of His goodness, His mercy, His kindness towards us. But if you allow impatience to rule your hearts and seek to bypass God's timing, it doesn't work out well. We don't have time to go into it. But, I, but 
Abram and Sarah try to help God out and produce Isaac. Genesis chapter 16. And you can see the pain and the chaos. God still brought blessing out of that and even spoke a blessing over Ishmael. But it wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's timing. But it came out of this impatience. God, when God, when is this going to happen? When? And we need to understand, first of all, is that nothing catches God by surprise. There are things that happen to us, we go, where did that come from? But it doesn't surprise God. He knew about it. In Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9 through 10, I am God and there is none like me who announces the end from the beginning who reveals beforehand what has not yet occurred, who says my plan will be realized. I will accomplish what I desire. I want you to notice, he knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. He just knows it. And he knows what's going to happen and how he's going to bring the promise to fulfillment in your life if you will submit to the process, the seasons that he's going to take you through. Which leads me to the second key practical thing is it requires patience to receive God's promises. Patience is actually an expression of wisdom. And patience is the companion of wisdom, is what St. Augustine said. And a lack of patience can cause you to miss God's blessing. And a great example of this is King Saul who is told to wait until the prophet comes in order to sacrifice. And there's a lot of pressure in his life. There's a battle. There's all sorts of things going on. And he becomes impatient and he does something he shouldn't do. He does the sacrifice. And Samuel the prophet turns up and he says, what are you doing? And listen to what Saul says. I felt compelled. I felt pressure into making it happen. I took my time out of God's hand and I took control of it. I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, the command that He gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would establish your kingdom over Israel forever. I want you to notice, Saul lost the kingdom, not just for himself, but for generations. And God went looking for a man after his own heart and found David, who wasn't perfect. He didn't get everything right. In fact, he did some abominable things. But he was the one that said, my times are in your hands, God. I trust you with my life. I trust you with the process. You see, sometimes, and I know some of you won't like this, some things have to die in us before God will reveal His promise to us, the fulfillment. And there can be no resurrection without a death. And some of you are trying to keep things alive. When God says, no, let it die and let me resurrect it. Let me do something extraordinary. Jesus said in John 12 and verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. 
And sometimes our dreams, our aspirations, our plans need to die so that we can be resurrected into God's plan, God's purpose. And that's a season. It's a process. But while we wait, we've got to wait with purpose. And so we need to understand that nothing in your life has caught God by surprise. Understand that God's process requires patience. But while we wait, we've got to wait with purpose. It's not kind of sitting around doing nothing. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 12 says, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what is promised. I think most of us are not good with the patience thing. And even those who pretend you are, really, there are some things that just, I don't want to wait anymore. I am irritated by waiting. I am frustrated by waiting. But it's through faith and patience. You see, patience is a part of the process, waiting for God's timing. But notice it says, don't be lazy while you're patient, while you have faith, while you're waiting. Don't be lazy. Because the time between the promise and the promise received, the promise given and the promise received, is preparation time. There's a story that scares me, a parable that Jesus told. Every time I read it in Matthew chapter 25, the story of the ten virgins, five wise, five foolish. And they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. And five wise had brought extra oil, five foolish didn't bring enough. But I want you to catch something. I've never seen this before. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. And what's inferred in this, that even though five of them had come not fully prepared, while they waited, they could have gone and got more oil. And it's kind of that their laziness in waiting is what really undid them. Yeah, we can say there was a lack of preparation in them coming to that moment, but they actually had time in the waiting to prepare for the moment. And when the bridegroom comes, they go, we're not ready. And then they rush off to get more oil. You see, more oil was available. More oil was available if they hadn't slept, if they'd done more to prepare. And when they finally get more oil, there's these scary words and the door was shut. See, if we're lazy in our waiting, there are things we can do to prepare ourselves for the moment and the promise and the fulfillment. And you need to pray and say, God, what are those things that I can do to prepare myself for that moment? It might be Bible college. It might be studying something else. It might be getting more experience. It might be volunteering. I'm not just even talking about volunteering within church. I'm talking about in another thing that gives you some experience in the area where God is calling you or where you feel you're being led to. Don't be lazy in your waiting because if you miss the opportunity, the door is shut, the moment is gone. But we're talking about finding the right time, the right time. Just because it doesn't happen today doesn't mean it won't happen. Because remember, there's an incredible statement in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time, in His time. God's time is not our time. 
but it is the right time. And some of you need to really get a hold of that this morning. You're frustrated with God's time. Maybe you've even created an Ishmael as it were. But God's time and God will redeem the mistakes. He will turn them around. There's an incredible thing that actually Abraham and Sarah had to wait 25 years. 25 years of process from when the promise was given to when the promise was received. And I don't have time for all of this, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Genesis 21 records the birth of Isaac 25 years after the promise was given to Abram and Sarah. It also records the moment when Hagar and Ishmael depart. That that attempt for Abram and Sarah to solve the problem of God's timing out of their frustration. And it's at that point where Abram gets the first piece of the promised land. King Abimelech allows him to keep the well at Beersheba. And in that one chapter, three extraordinary things happen where finally Abram and Sarah are now living in God's perfect timing for their lives. The son has come. The, the problem child, and I, I again affirm that God spoke blessing over Hagar and Ishmael. He didn't write them off. But it was their effort to solve the promise. They depart and he gets a piece of the land that he'd left the Chaldees for. And in that moment, as if Abraham and Sarah finally understand this God who inhabits eternity, who's created time and reaches into it in order to bring things to pass in our lives, establish and build relationship with us. Because in that moment, it says, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord. Listen to the name. It's the first time it appears in Scripture. Called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God or the eternal God. And it's like suddenly this moment of revelation. God, you inhabit eternity, but you know how to work out time in my life. And it's a moment of trust, this moment when eternity kisses time and promises are fulfilled in Abraham and Sarah's life. Jesus says a similar thing. In Revelation 1 verse 18, the resurrected, glorified Christ declares, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God, who is and was who is to come, the Almighty. And you need to understand the eternal nature of God means He's wrapped all of your times in His hands. He holds you in His hand. He's in your past, He's in your present, and He's in your future. Like the psalmist, you can declare, God, my time is in your hand. <music> 